0: Hello all you Fran Not Fines, my name is Sienna and welcome to Somewhat Panicking, a podcast that explores the pressure of having to achieve various goals before a certain age or time frame. This week I'm somewhat panicking about living abroad and the fact I've never done it. Quite a timely topic as this dream seems to be shattered for many people, with borders being closed in certain countries, lockdowns and quarantine situations due to COVID. The big problem with this is that I'm still aging and the older I get the more it seems that this dream is slipping away because living in another country seems to be marketed or tailored to those 18 to 30 years old. This includes the ease of obtaining a working holiday visa in several countries. Some countries have increased this age to 35, including Australia, but only for French, Canadian, and Irish citizens, according to the Department of Home Affairs. Why these countries? I have no idea. Why 35? I don't know either. But does one stop wanting to experience new adventures in new places after 35? Australia seems to think so, as well as other countries. Not only do age restrictions stop there, but the age limit to apply for an Australian permanent residency is 44 years old. And it can change each year depending on what the government decides at the time, so who knows what age limit will be determined for you in the future. Age, in this sense, can be extremely limiting, and as much as people say you can live abroad whenever you want, it doesn't seem that way in terms of living in another country easily, and most importantly, legally. It is a looming sore point for me, and I don't know the likelihood of this dream ever coming true, and is honestly a regret I have in my life. I hate when people say they have no regrets, like really, you don't regret fucking someone who turned out to be terrible in bed, or eating cheese when you're lactose intolerant, really. I think it's okay to say you regret something because regret is normal, the word exists for a reason. I just never felt ready to make such a big move when I was younger, I didn't have the confidence, or the money, or the true desire as I may do now. Is it something I want to do because I'm always meeting people who have done it and I'm jealous of all the stories they get to tell and I think I should do the same? Or is it something deep within me that is striving for this change but being held back by other countries' governments that are literally telling me I'm too old? There are definitely pros and cons to living overseas. The Netflix show Emily in Paris, as it's supposed to be pronounced, paints a glossy picture of moving to a completely different country. Another woman I know, who also happens to be named Emily, moved to Australia from France when she was 25 years old. Now that she's 36, she can reflect on the ups and downs of living abroad, as well as having a lot to say about the Netflix show that stereotypes French people. Or does it? Hear what Emily herself as a French woman has to say, and note that there are show spoilers during our conversation. What made you want to move overseas at that age?
1: Well, actually, it's not really the age things, it was more the situation I was facing in France. So um, I was working as a film editor for a corporate company, but the financial crisis just hit France and um, that meant that a lot of jobs were made redundant, including mine. And at 25, I realized that where all my friends' lives were kind of set, everybody was on um on a path to get married have children buy their first house i didn't have any those, i just lost my job and i just felt like well i'm not really fitting in and i had a friend that was still doing study back then and um, doing a master degree and she had to do a internship of six months abroad and she decided to come to australia she found a french company there in bondi And um, when she said she was going overseas, I said, well, I've got nothing to lose. I'm coming with you. And here I am.
0: And my understanding is that when you came to Australia, you didn't know any English at all.
1: I knew my basic um, high school English. Mm -hmm. So, you know, were you able to describe a picture or... And was that helpful? Not at all. <laughs> I was told that the Australian accent was very strong because obviously when you learn English in France in, in high school, well, French teachers are the one that are teaching you English. So they teach you English with a French accent. Okay. And when you listen to recording from high school, they often have a very londonian accent so it's a very polished english easy to understand and when you come to australia and you hear all the first slangs Mm -hmm. and the big accent you easily get lost for sure so i didn't make many friends (laughs) because of my english (laughs) yeah right and how did you end up learning by working when i um, came i didn't want to work for a french company uh, so it's right i want to learn english and i want to learn it properly so i just refused to apply for any job in any french bakery or any french company and i really tailored my application to mostly australian pure australian company And, uh, well, that didn't go well because it took me four months before I got my first job, besides doing a 100 interviews.
0: Yeah, and how were you even applying or doing interviews if you didn't know English that well?
1: Well, that was fun. (laughs) That was a great experience. So, well, leaving the hostel with my resume and my cover letter, I got help from the good... You know english traveler that were living in a hostel with me so that was nice but i have gone to interview and i think the major things on why i didn't get those jobs is because people easily realized that my english wasn't really great and i had a lot of trouble understanding a bunch of things uh, so and most of the job i was applying for were communication job retail Customer service based job where you need to speak a little bit. <laughs> as a French person, I mean, as any backpacker from uh, a non-native English speaking, you get a lot of companies in Sydney. You're probably not aware of that, but there is a lot of companies that will take happily your money and give you a bunch of jobs offer for a certain amount of cash per month. Um, so they make you feel special because tosa advertised nowhere else where. Actually, if you know how to use Gumtree, you have access to those same jobs. And um, <laughs> one of the jobs was cleaner in a shirt. And um, I saw the job, I skimmed red, thinking, oh, they just want me to do some cleaning in a shirt. Not too sure if the shirt was part of a uniform or something, but I didn't really think about it. And I said, well, I can do cleaning and I don't have to talk to anybody. So that's good. So I sent my um, resume to this place and here is that um, woman that called me uh, for um, an interview over the phone and she's like, okay, so um, I'd like to actually come and meet you at your hostel. And there's nothing wrong with that. That might just be the Australian way of doing things so she was asking me what my hair color was what my eyes color was and she was asking me personal question about my the size of my heap, these kind of things and it was like it's a bit odd but i guess if you're turning up to a an hostel and everybody looks the same you might need specific details to identify as a person i'm not too sure Anyway, I kept saying to the lady because I wasn't too sure where she was going and I said, oh, I'm really sorry, but my phone keep cutting because I'm terrible in a face-to-face interview, but I'm even worse on the phone. So then my phone keep cutting. So could you actually just email me all the details? And she agreed to email me. And here is the email coming saying cheekygirl69 was the email address. So we follow the rules and one of the rules for the job. So yes, you are doing cleaning at somebody's house wearing just a shirt and some lingerie and oh. one of the rules was to obviously not have sex with the client so the people that have those plays just sit there and watch you dusting around in your underwear at their place and that's what the job was oh and did you do it out of interest <laughs> no i didn't because i was like oh my god i hate it myself for being so <laughs> silly just like okay it makes sense now That's why she wanted to know what's my breast size and hip size and all these things. And in France, is that just a thing where
0: people ask you like, what's your breast size and hip (laughs) size for a job? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) But you thought Australia, (laughs)
1: different place, different rules, whatever. Well,
0: yes. You're 25. Who knows? Yeah,
1: exactly. You barely speak English and the person saying that they want to have an interview with you on a Sunday coming to your hostel. So, anyway. Yeah, red flags. Yeah, red flags all along. (laughs) Um, Thinking about it now, you know, I was a bit more prudish when I... First came in, it's like I really want an honest job, but it was actually you're thinking about it now. It's actually quite a well paid job, it was like a $50 an hour. And I'm just thinking, if I had been a bit more confident, yeah, why not? Maybe, maybe I would have done that after all because you're not supposed to have sex with the client, so you're still dusting things around, you know? That sounds kind of great, <laughs> it does,
0: yeah. I'm considering it now. <laughs> and how long have you been living? Here in Australia
1: so it's um, I'm entering my um, 11 year and what has kept you here for 11 years I um when I first came to Australia I didn't have any money I just had the money for the flight ticket and the return flight ticket because when you apply for a working holiday visa back then, you either needed to show that you had three thousand dollar in your account or that you had a return ticket so I didn't have any money, but I had enough for the return ticket. Um, and when I was in Australia, I thought, well, I'm going to get some job, which as I mentioned, didn't happen very soon, um, as soon as I liked. I um, thought I was going to make a lot of money and just travel around Australia, see every single bit and basically every nook and cranny of Australia. And then once I'm done with my traveling, I can go home. Well, turn out 10 years later, I still didn't have enough money to actually see everything of Australia because it's a big place. It's very expensive it is also very expensive to fly to some places so so yes i'm still here <laughs> so still still here because
0: you're still exploring or still, still here, here because
1: i'm still exploring and saving along and trying to um see every bit of australia yes so yeah it's um obviously not going as fast as i'd like to but <laughs> one <okay>. day <laughs> that's all
0: right everyone goes at their own pace but what do you think has kept you here rather than... I know you want to explore Australia, but you're taking a long time <laughs> to do it. Like, what is keeping you here or not even living abroad in
1: other countries or living in France again? Well, that's definitely not love. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I was very successful in relationship, which is a bit of a shame for a French. Woman, but you know, we're supposed to be great at romance, but obviously, it's not working here.
0: You're supposed to have a boyfriend, and like, no, you're supposed to be dating like the husband of you're supposed to be a mistress, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's true. That we we do that the way yeah, we are. <laughs> mm. Um, well, no, I am not even a mistress, okay. <laughs> so I'm not even 50% of a relationship, but look, that's okay because. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) I'm not going to say what I think about Austrian men. (laughs) (laughs) No, please do. Please tell me. No, because I might completely ruin my chances of ever dating. So (laughs) They're not going to listen to this.
0: (laughs) What do you think of Australian men? I'm really curious to know. Because I definitely have thoughts about Australian men. Lazy yep can't they, even organize one fucking day to go on yep
1: yeah i agree with that lazy is a big part so i actually found that interesting as a french person to um when you come to australia you um uh, hear all these things about australian being laid back and i think actually laid back is a nicer way of saying lazy <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) so it's um it's a very interesting concept because you're like oh my god Australians are so relaxed so relaxed that they don't even text you call you or just even bother asking if you're (laughs) live and that's actually that's how relaxed they are so yes um that's how i felt about my journey dating australian Um, okay so that's obviously not keeping you here that's that's... probably
0: a reason why you want to (laughs) leave
1: Um, I still do like the lifestyle. However, I come from a country where I come from France, and France is a very lucky country. There is a lot of help. We have a great Medicare system. We have a lot of help from the government if you're unemployed, uh, if you're having children, if you're having hardship. uh, There is yeah you can get around in France with not working or working very much the minimum and still having a decent life so we have a lot of help but I think because we've got so much help people don't realize how much more grateful they should be back home when you listen to French people nothing is ever good enough nothing is ever well done it's um they very up themselves most of the time. And uh, I found that, well, Australia are a bit more lazy, but it's also easier to get by in Australia and just not having too much negativity. Well, at least that's how I felt when I first came to
0: Australia. And do you miss home? Do you think about it often?
1: The country as itself, no. I don't really... Miss, um, actually, it's tricky because yes, no, the country is actually beautiful. I don't miss the French people, but I do miss my family and my friend, obviously. So, I do think about home on a regular basis. But, do I want to do, do I feel like I'm Australian and I want to stay here? Do I feel like I'm French and I want to go back there? I actually still don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm still debating on that topic.
0: And do you feel like there is a deadline for you to debate that?
1: I don't think so because I'm not planning anytime soon. On It was never part of my plan to have a family, for example, so I don't think I've got that ticking clock. Um, so I don't feel that kind of pressure. But in saying so, I do reach every now and again, you know, when your birthday comes around, you just go back into your life but like what have I accomplished the last xyz years and then you just go into a bit of a spiral thinking what am I doing with my life I have done nothing so it's uh, as long as it's not my birthday I'm fine the rest <laughs> of the year now
0: that you've been in Australia for 11 years do you feel like you
1: belong do you feel accepted I don't think I feel accepted as per se because, well, I still have my accent which means that's something that people still question me about instead of just seeing me as another person. There is, every time I meet somebody new they always, oh, where are you from, how long you've been here, like, what are you doing here? I think that in people, the way that other people see me, they still see me as a French person instead of just a person traveling. It doesn't matter where I come from. So I don't think
0: I belong. Interesting that you'd stay somewhere for so long without that feeling of belonging. What do you think that's attributed to?
1: When I was younger, we traveled a lot with my family and had to move out of places on a regular basis. So I, as a person, I never had that kind of feeling of having roots somewhere And I think that just carrying on as an adult, which means, yes, I can just, you know, close everything tomorrow and fuck off in the next country. Uh, But with no problem with that, not double guessing, like what am I going to do with my life when I arrive and all these things just being very embracing the unexpected day. But yeah, that's mean that wherever I go, I think I might never have that feeling of belonging no matter what I do.
0: I want to ask about your accent or you probably think I have an accent like it just depends on your point of view yeah because you often kind of say to me or even with this recording you're like no I sound terrible like people don't like my accent or even things you do for work in terms of videos and being filmed you're like oh people aren't just gonna enjoy hearing me as a French person
1: why do you feel that way? It's not really my accent. People are forgiving about having an accent or depending what message you're delivering to those people. So I know in my work, I have a lot of customer service work to do, which means that sometimes you have to deliver the message of saying no to somebody and that's where they will just speak on your accent because you know they just have nothing else to defend themselves. And they're not appreciating you saying no to whatever they are, their question was. So they will just pick on the fact that, you know, just make you feel little because after all, you're just another foreigner. I do know that I don't sound very appealing, but it's just my personal opinion. I know that I listen to a lot of podcasts or other... When you watch movies, where there is French actress like Marion Cotillard or Mélanie Laurent... They have that very um, seductive French tone that is a bit more sensual, like, hello, let's talk about (laughs) the weather. I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Anything, but, you know, they have that really... It's (laughs) raining. That's the thing, yeah. You know, you watch... uh, Even, well, you watch the movie... um, What was it? Um, One of the um, Dark Knight... A um, movie where there is Marion Cotillard in it, and even so, she's delivering that message of being a horrible villain in the movie. She still does it with just that very sexy voice. Mm. Like, I was a child escaping from the cave. Like something like this along yeah. those lines. And yeah, I don't sound, sound like. So <laughs> uh, I just be like, yeah, I was a child escaping from the cave. But apart from. Customers
0: who I guess are unhappy with the service for whatever reason and want to pick on your accent because that's something that they can belittle you with. Mm -hmm. Have you felt being in another
1: country that
0: it is kind of picked on or pointed out?
1: Well, the accent, well, yes, there is a couple of anecdotes I have where I was picked on. I think my culture is also constantly picked on. So, for example, As a French person, you are expected to like cheese, but I actually have a chirophobia, which is a fear of cheese, uh, which doesn't really go along with being French. So it's only mild. There is some cheese I don't mind the look of, but there is other cheese that I'm completely scared of. But let's not go in details. But for example, (laughs) as a French person, I don't like camembert. So camembert is one of those cheeses that I'm actually afraid of. I can't so explain it. What do you but mean I'm afraid of? Like you can't uh, even look at it? You can't touch it? I, yeah, I um, yeah, have a very odd relationship with some cheese, exc- including a lot of strong cheese. And for example, well, if you use a knife and you cut yourself a piece of that camembert and hand me the knife to, for me to cut myself a piece of bread or something, I will not touch a knife. And obviously I've been in a lot of um social contexts where you go to a housewarming party or somebody else's party and there is always that lovely person not just thinking they're doing great and they want you to feel included because you they're thinking you probably miss home and they bring you a camembert. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I thought about you and I just bought this piece mm. of cheese that you know, so you can feel included in and feel home and feel like and yeah no that's not going very well with me so often I'm just like just ignore me just um just ignore them French <laughs> just, please. Yeah, please 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 <laughs> don't bring up
0: my Frenchness <laughs> yeah exactly so and I guess when you're living somewhere else yeah you might miss home or whatever but you don't want to go all the way overseas to have something you could have had at home exactly essentially like whenever I go overseas and I meet another australian i'm like Fuck, i could have just met you at home like, <laughs> i don't want to talk to you
1: <laughs> well that's what i try to explain to the hostel, um receptionist i lived in for a few months when i came to australia as um because i was not finding a house easily or share house easily because of well my um my english and my very little understanding of the culture to start with I stayed in a hostel for nine months and um, the receptionist was nice enough to basically leave me a dorm room for myself but every now and again when there was a new French person she would just put that French person with me in that room and she would just tell me oh I just put it xyz in your room so you have somebody to talk to. I do get where she came from, but that was also really annoying because the last things I wanted to do in Australia is to hang out with French people. Mm. What's the best thing about living overseas?
0: Living abroad?
1: Um, surprisingly, to me, it's actually not belonging. Oh, okay. It's um, yeah. I think that's the best. Well, that's probably just um, just me. But the fact that you actually can just be so far away from your home country so you can actually see the best things about your home country and the flaws but also not belonging to the country you're at so you can always have an objective eyes on things It's, um, it's what has been the best things just getting to learn both culture and have enough distance back to see where everybody comes from and see why things are the way they are but also not just being entitled enough to just take a side because I think there is something good in every culture and also something that's well is not so good but at least everybody is trying their best in some ways and I think if you take the best of every single culture what what each culture do great then the world would be a great really great place to be and what's the worst thing about living abroad well probably uh, homesickness would be the worst thing so yeah especially in the first three months you are living abroad because well when you first come to a country I guess you're on a, something's new you're on a high of whatever place you're in so you just think everything is great everybody's lovely look at all everything's fantastic um, so you have those for a few weeks and then when you try to establish yourself well getting a job and getting to meet people improve your English that's where things kind of hit rock bottom a little bit and that's where you uh, you realize wow you're actually completely alone in a very far very far away from your family Uh, that's not something that's coming to Australia well it's definitely not close to Europe at all which means that yeah if you fuck shit up well you kind of stuck there you can't just buy your 20 it's not like if you were in the UK and you just realised yeah actually I don't want to be in the UK I'm just going to buy a Eurostar ticket and go back to France easily it's a bit more tricky so yeah homesickness is a big deal what's something you wish you knew before you moved overseas um well, I don't know actually I think maybe the biggest um mistake I've done coming here was probably to not have money so I wish I knew <laughs> yeah, that's, that, <laughs> that's a bit stressful too. I think I just had um, higher hope and I uh, thought, so, yeah I will just get a job easy because I've got a lot of great skills and I'm a willing person and there is no task that is too small or too big for me I, I'm a great worker so I mean that's the mentality I had so I said well yes okay I don't speak English very well back then um, but I'm sure somebody will like me and give me a chance and it didn't happen very fast. So I wish I knew that having money would have been helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> to um, survive a bit better. But in saying so, look, actually being poor is also... Mean, not being poor, but yeah, struggling with money also makes you appreciate more the value of things. And you learn to manage your money better when you almost have none. So I think that, yeah, I've, I've learned a couple of things from really struggling for sure.
0: Yeah. And that almost naivety of of coming and being like, I don't really have any money, but someone's going to realize I'm a good worker, even though they've never worked with me, don't know me, and I can't speak their language. Do you think that's because you were 25 and hadn't really lived overseas before or tried to learn a whole other language or was that just your who you are?
1: Well I guess I was uh, more of a hopeful person back then in terms of the language speaking. Well when I was growing up I used to live at the border of um, France and Germany and I picked up German at a young age so I thought well you know I've been speaking German for what 15 years. Well, how hard is it to speak English <laughs> you know yeah. and again I had the basic English what really I struggled with were all the slangs and all the things that people say but that you will never see in a textbook mm-hmm. um, so I'm a willing person so I've been in a lot of odd situation in France where I've always found my way out um, rather fast and slow so I just thought well no challenge is too small or too big for me I'm sure I will come in due time make my um, make my way but yes homesickness hit before I got my first job this this kind of things but you know looking back it was 10 years ago and 10 years later I'm still here I'm a permanent resident so I did make my way to where I am now so I have a stable job My English, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I can talk about geopolitics if I want to. Probably not now, but yeah, (laughs) another time, another time, another podcast. So, so yes, I think you know, I've again, I've made my way up. Yeah, no, you've done amazingly
0: well. Your English is amazing. My French is très terrible or whatever. You're like, I'm going to punch you in the face. It's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. It's uh, it's tolerable. <laughs> but, but speaking of trying to speak French and embracing that whole French culture, let's talk about Emily in Paris, the famous Netflix art uh, TV show. First of all, did you know it was supposed to be pronounced that way when you read... Emily in Paris, as I would read Emily in Paris. Did you read as Emily in Paris because you're French?
1: No. No. Okay. I, I read the, the, the good English way, Emily in Paris, because, well, that's an American girl that is coming to Paris, and it's mainly speaking English in the TV show, so, so that's what it's supposed to be pronounced. Yes. As did I. I didn't.
0: Well, I never call Paris Patty because I would feel like a wanker. And yeah, (laughs) and you should. And you should. (laughs) And I do. But now you are, you are Emily, not in Patty. But what do you think about the whole TV show now that you are Emily in Australia? Ah.
1: Oh, actually, in Australia, it was pretty good, yeah, because that's how we say it. <laughs> oh, okay, I uh, didn't realize. Yeah, so, yeah, good job on that one. Uh, look, that, look, I watch the TV show like most people because, well, well, I read the little synopsis in the TV show, and I thought, oh, something about French people. What sort of stereotype did they come with to describe the French? And uh, I watched the first episode... And I realized that, you know, quite a quite a few of the stereotypes are a bit spot on. There is a lot of situation I'm seeing in the TV shows that, on top of my head, I will be thinking, oh, I've got this friend who was in that situation. I've got this friend that was somebody's distress at work. I've got this whatever. I felt that it was quite funny. Uh, I heard that the French people didn't really enjoy the TV show, but then do they enjoy anything anyway? Here is the question. <laughs> Apparently, cheese and love making. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but it's true that in France, for them, it's funny to make fun of everybody else. But if somebody makes fun of them, oh, it's a big no-no there. Okay, so we're a bit better than that. So they have a little bit of a hard time to understand you more from an overseas perspective. So, so I can see why. It made such a controversy, Uh, but personally, I did enjoy it. I didn't learn anything new from it, it was not mind blowing that I was like, wow, I can identify to that person. Not at all, but it was something that you know you happily watch without thinking too much um, when you have a long day at work and you just really don't want to socialize with anybody and don't think too much about anything depressing or covid for example Mm. yeah this was just a nice entertainment that didn't have any purpose
0: yeah i think that was the charm of it that it was kind of so bad that it was good it Mm. was painting paris in particular in in such a light that
1: very glamorous for sure.
0: Very glamorous. You'd never get cat called. There's no like smell of piss on the streets. There's no <laughs> garbage or whatever, like and is it like that? I mean I have a memory of Paris because I have been there and I remember one street which was explained to me was where they hold the biggest flea market in Europe. Yeah. Just smelled like piss yeah. and there was just I know the garbage. One. Everywhere,
1: yeah. So it is true that in the TV show the Paris they're showing is very glamorous, but I think they made it glamorous because it's from the point of view of the American young girl. And the same way I felt when I came to Australia, everything was pink and rainbow, and all the buildings were just amazing, and all the architecture and everything was just fascinating to me when I first came to Sydney. So I can see why she feels this way about the city but it is true that paris is a lot more diverse than what they care to show in the show so i understand why it's portrayed that way in the tv show i don't think it is a paris that is really relatable to as a french person but it could be something that will potentially um, make of it. People, foreigner people, Australian people, anybody that hasn't been to Paris want to go there to just experience that glamorous feel. Mm. Because it is is a really pretty city. It is really well-constructed. If you walk down the Champs-Élysées or the Versailles Garden, all these places are just really pretty, well-designed. There is so much history to just grab. It's... It is really beautiful. As I was watching it, I was like,
0: wow, I want to go to Paris. And then part of my mind was like, you've been to Paris. I was like, but not this Paris. <laughs> Where, you know, she's like, she's fucking French people. And, you know, the, the guy she likes owns a restaurant. She's eating there. And, like, I didn't experience that Paris. I was there for, like, a night or two. Totally, probably obnoxious just like her character in which you don't speak french but you just expect everybody to get what you're saying because you know you're a tourist and you're you're helping
1: with their economy so whatever yeah it it is um it is true that there is that arrogance from that character who's just coming and speaking english but from my um few years in australia i know that when i first came here and started to talk to People, when I started to speak English a bit better and ask well people from the UK or people from wherever were in the world, because you meet a lot of you have a lot of diversity in Australia. People will always say, "Oh, Paris was horrible. The French were the worst. Not helpful. I was lost. Nobody helped me. They hate speaking English." Blah blah blah. And it's true that it is a characteristic that followed French people for a long time, but. They have made a lot of effort and I could see that from going back the few time I've been going back and going into a restaurant in Paris while I was waiting for a couple of friends I was visiting there and um, it's true that you know, waiters at restaurant were a bit more understanding and really trying to speak English with the English couple or the German couple that were tourists there so I think that French people are finally making an effort to really be better with the English language skills.
0: And do you think that's a good thing? Because part of me is like, especially when you came from France to an English-speaking country and you didn't really know English, but you really like threw yourself in there to try and learn. I mean, now if you've got an iPhone, it automatically has like a Translate app And it's so much easier to speak to people without actually having to learn what you're saying Mm. and learn the customs and whatever. So do you think it's a good thing that French people are trying to speak English more or do you think it's overall a loss of the beauty of having a language that you kind of not force, but people need to learn if they really want to be there and, and embrace
1: France? Mm. Um, I think the way that we speak English will never be the way that Germans speak English for example or that um, um, Scandinavian country really speak English like they both fluent in both language. What I think is great is that French people are making an effort but is it going to be such a big language that people are going to speak it fluently not at all I don't think so but it is nice that yes for the economy I think France has a fairly bad reputation in terms of um, how they're welcoming foreigner people. I think for the economy of the country and for what we could share with the world in terms of our history and our design, our literature, it is good that we are opening up and not just feeling like we're so exclusive and uptight, um that we're just making it the life of everybody harder if they want to come and live in France.
0: What I also took away from the show when I was watching it, because as you're as you're watching it and you become really immersed in the show, you just believe everything that's kinda fed to you and what's on the screen. Mm. So when um Emily shows up for work at like 8.30 and has to wait two hours because everybody shows up at 1030, is that real? <laughs>
1: Can you does work start at ten thirty there? No, I mean it's it again it's really depends what sort of job you're doing. So the the place where she's at is very niche. It's a marketing agency for luxury product um in Paris. So I believe that they probably belong to their own rules in terms of time. But when I was working in retail or in hospitality, you have the good old 8 a.m. start if not earlier. And I think what's not really portrayed well is, yes, maybe those people start later, but that doesn't mean they will leave early. Because Mm -hmm. there is a lot of places, yes, maybe you have the 10 a.m. start, but you're not going to be at home by 2.30. Right. It's really unlikely. So you will still do your eight hours or whatever it is that your day is, but just starting, having a later start in a day
0: yeah and what about the super long lunches where it's like an hour lunch and everyone's having a cigarette and
1: drinking is that does that happen? Uh, the drinking I don't know at my work I wasn't drinking but we do have a long hour lunch in some companies they have an hour and a half that's why people stay slim because they don't have to actually rush and eat their food and go back to work so apparently that's a miracle of French still being skinny from what I've heard from being here yeah, so we do have the hour lounge in France, um, but that's been, yeah, again, it's not because you have that hour lounge that you're going to finish your work early. It's still taken out of your hours. So the, the trick about the TV show as well is that people, I guess it was probably done between spring and summer and um, nighttime in summer, for example, doesn't start before 10 or 11 p.m., so it's kind of misleading because you don't see any night time. It's daylight when they're leaving, which means that, yes, you know, you feel like, oh, people are leaving early, but not at all. Mm, because our day are longer in summer.
0: Yeah, right. That's a really good point because here it's like night time. Yeah. at 7
1: 30 yeah or yeah. something you know in yeah. summertime yeah
0: yeah and if you're still at work at that time what what are you doing like, yeah exactly. why are you there yeah it's night time you should be at home yeah
1: exactly mm. so it's definitely showing also a glamorous Perry side where it's always sunny so yes definitely been shot between spring summer time Because winter, (laughs) Paris is mainly a raining city, the same way that we say that about London. So there is not much sun always happening there. I mean, it has changed with all the heat wave. (laughs) We have more sun now.
0: Yeah, it was always a sunny disposition. It it was very glamorous again. And what about the whole mistress aspect of it? How often are French women a mistress? Is that a common thing? Is that a French thing? What, what do you think about it?
1: I wouldn't say it's a French thing, I so would we'll say that affair happen everywhere around the world. I would say that some um, I've known a couple of people that were you know at work dating the manager or got the promotion because of somebody's being mistress. So it's, um, it's not uncommon, but is it a typical French thing? I don't know, I don't think so. It could be something that you can see in other culture. I know that, as a French person, I know a lot of people overseas are thinking France is a country of love. To French people, the country of love is Italy. In Italy, when you know Italian people, there is a lot of affair. It, it feels like, as a French person, you have a lot more affairs happening in within Italy. But it is true that in that watching the TV show as a foreigner person, you might think that French have a thing for complicated relationship and being somebody's mistress or having a double game somewhere. But I wouldn't say it's a cultural thing, particularly. I just think that just it's, um, it's an everywhere thing.
0: And And I just remember one really specific line from the show where the French guy that, emily's been sleeping with um which one is a few there's a few yeah that's true <laughs> go emily <Yeah>. um <laughs> the one who she meets in a restaurant and he like they they start sleeping together but he like she realizes he's like a massive um asshole. the snob yeah yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. snob. Guy. the teacher yeah yeah and he's like I love American pussy and I'm not going to go have a shower. I want I want the taste of you
1: on me. Is that <laughs> typical of French men? From my own personal experience with French men when I was back there, no, that doesn't happen. But then that was just my own experience with my handful of French boyfriend I had. Or mm-hmm. well, there is a lot of, um, you know, flirting and sexy time happening. And you're like, oh, no, I have to go to work. Oh, I have to just go as I am and be on gross. But I think that's what you guys call the walk of shame when <laughs> you just, you know, come out of uh, a weekend where you didn't expect meeting someone underwear and you just end up at somebody's house and you yeah. just walk shamefully back home. Yeah. Yeah. Is the walk of shame
0: a phrase in
1: France? Or is it no. like
0: the walk of uh, congratulatory... No, um, <laughs> neither. No, there's no
1: such things as a walk of shame or congratulatory things. Yeah. Um, the walk of shame is something I heard here. Yeah. Oh, yeah how yeah. interesting.
0: Because yeah. it's like, why should anyone feel shameful about that? I want to ask as well, with the show, when Emily sleeps with a 17-year-old <laughs> and his his mother what the fuck is that hey well let let me ask (laughs) when his mother pulls her aside and you think she's gonna get grilled about and she's just like just please tell me is my son a good lover who cares nobody asks
1: that ever Like, I was really surprised it was a bunch of things I was just like what the fuck they portraying French as highly sexual for sure and I think they're just pushing it that little bit too far with the 17 years old and the mother wandering off oh, because that's you know as a French person at all you have a destiny your destiny is to be a good lover
0: so as a French person did you did you like the show
1: yeah I found it really entertaining But I don't know enough about the American culture to know, do they really start their work? Everybody start their work at Mm. 8am? Do they really are so on point with Instagram and social media and uh, all these things? But I do believe that she was also a stereotype as much as the French were a stereotype. An article
0: on mamamia.com.au written by Michelle Rogo titled Thanks social media, you told me to follow my dreams and now my life sucks. Highlights an Australian woman's experience of moving herself and her family to Europe at 45 years old. She notes, and then the holiday was over. Our bank account dwindled and we hadn't found work. So here I am in my beautiful apartment, in a beautiful village, in a beautiful country, terribly heart-wrenchingly lonely. My kids are happy and at school every day, and my husband has found some part-time work, but we're flat broke. And let's not get into what that does to a marriage, we're barely talking. But I don't want to go back, not yet, maybe not ever, because I came here with my family to achieve something. I'm here to learn not just the obvious things like language and driving on the wrong side of the bloody road, but deeper, meaningful lessons.